0: And of course, taco dip. Mmm, taco dip. Taco dip's my jam. This band could be your food. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. My name is Nathan Palin, and thanks for tuning in to another slice of This Band Could Be Your Food, a weekly podcast that comes out every other week which asks the question that no one is asking, what food is that band? In case this is your first episode, you take a band, you pull them apart, and reconstruct them as if they were a food. We get to pick apart facts of our favorite bands, musical artists, and then in the end get to enjoy some nice food. It's my favorite time, combining my two very favorite things in the world, music and food. And I hope they are yours as well. This week is a band that's very near and dear to my heart. Rockford, Illinois' Cheap Trick. Now, when I say near, I mean actually nearby where I'm from. I'm from Janesville, Wisconsin. Janesville, Wisconsin is about 50 minutes north off I-90 of Rockford, Illinois. I would pass through Rockford, Illinois on a regular basis whenever traveling to Chicago. And Cheap Trick is, uh, you know, an anomaly. There's not a lot of bands that come from the Midwest. There are musicians that come from the Midwest. Oftentimes, these musicians like for instance Guns N' Roses they should be from Indiana but now they moved to California so Guns N' Roses is from California take the hold steady you got a guy from Janesville you got a guy from Minneapolis now they moved to Brooklyn hold Steady's from Brooklyn who else you got boss gags well I don't I don't really know where he's considered to be from that is neither here nor there What I'm saying is, when Cheap Trick had the opportunity to jump ship, they said, nope, we are going down with the ship. That ship being Cheap Trick. Joining me this week to discuss the ins and outs of Cheap Trick is my good friend Kyle Motor, otherwise known as Kyle Urban. Kyle is an ex-roommate of mine. We live together in Madison, Wisconsin, an hour and a half north of Rockford, Illinois. And Kyle tells me that Cheap Trick is his very favorite band. So, who else are you going to talk to? Not to mention the fact that Kyle and I actually had a little side band going on. A supergroup, if you will. Consisting of members of bands that aren't famous. To make another band that's also not famous. Called The Goddams. I feature the music of that band on this show regularly. Bumping in between conversations and whatnot. So, our music is available on streaming services. Not to mention physical copies available on thisbandcouldbeyourfood.com, Where I have all of my music that I've been recording for years and years available. And if you like indie rock, or regular rock and roll, Christmas music, Irish rock, or anything in between there, if you like good music and you like to support real live musicians, I would be happy to share my music with you. So go to this band, thisbandcouldbeyourfood.com, check out the music, check out the recipes, check out the episodes, episodes much like this one. What food is cheap trick? Let's figure that out while I first have a sip of Izzy's coffee. Cheers. Ah, Izzy's Coffee from Asheville, North Carolina. I just booked my tickets. I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a couple of episodes from there. Who, you may ask? Well, we're going to do Nutri-Milk Hotel and Tears for Fears. So keep your ears and eyes peeled for when those episodes drop. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy my conversation with Kyle Urban as we talk about Cheap Trick. Hit it! <laughs> Okay there, Kyle. Are you ready to rock? I think so. Would you like to do a number with me?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I'm saying. Uh, go, you know I do.
0: Good old Kyle Urban here. Are you Are you still going to be called Kyle Motor? Uh, you
1: can call me that if you want, but eh, I Is that go you by do? either. Is that I you respond do the radio? to either. Uh, yeah. yeah, I do. On the radio, I'm Kyle Motor. Kyle
0: Motor, nice. Are you? Are you Kyle Motor in your band Rocket Bureau? I
1: am Kyle Urban in that.
0: I see. But But
1: it doesn't it doesn't matter that much really. Sure.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Just curious. Yeah. I've uh I've gone to my real name, Nathan Palin. Yeah. You can do that now again. Uh yeah, I figured why not? Well, I got all of a sudden I got all this press after I started doing my doing like the shows off of my balcony during COVID. Oh yeah, that's right. All yeah, all of a sudden like the local green pointer like people were sending in videos of me doing it and so I got an interview and I used my name so I'm like hey maybe this is the time to just use my real name.
1: Yeah. The the don't that let don't let that Alaskan lady push you around. Like she's <laughs> trying to push everyone else around.
0: What Alaskan lady? She can't push <laughs> exactly. me around. Exactly. Exactly. I can't even see her porch. I don't
2: know what <laughs> I'm talking about.
0: You know like uh like Doug Carlson, you know I can just start being Doug Carlson again. Yeah. You know who Doug Carlson is, don't you? Dee Dee Ramone? Bunny Carlos. Bunny Carlos, oh, I shouldn't. Ah! Why didn't
1: I hit that right away?
0: There's actually a very good reason why Kyle doesn't know that Bunny Carlos' name is Doug Carlson, and that is because Doug Carlson is actually not Bunny Carlos' real name. Stick around and find out what his real name is. Dum-dum-dum.
1: He wanted to be Bunny Carlos because otherwise most of the members of the band Uh, Their names end in son And he was afraid that they would sound like a bunch of Swedes Yeah, That's a quote from an interview with him
0: It's true Like from grade school he went by Bunny
1: Yes, it was a family nickname
0: Yeah, do you remember why?
1: Oh, I think it was just Bun I don't know why though I don't recall why I know I've read it at some point
0: The official story goes Is that when a young Bunny Carlos Whose real name will be revealed soon was four or five, he received a book about Paul Bunyan, for which he liked very much. So around the house, he started going by the name Bunyan. Later on, he goes to high school, and that morphs. They start calling him Bun and Bunifer and bunasuela etc. Thank you very much. In Japan, they called him Bune because they didn't understand the concept of a middle name. Yes, so they saw B-U-N-E, <laughs> and they called him Bune. <laughs> Bune. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds even more Swedish, really. <laughs> yeah, I think you can
1: hear some yells of that in Budokan in the background.
0: Oh, yeah? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so funny. I mean, so, hey, thanks thanks for joining me, Kyle. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. My friend here, Kyle, we, we were roommates for a couple of years. Yeah. Two, three years. We were in a band together called mm-hmm. The Goddams. Yes. And um we continually talk about our reunion and recording other things and we never <laughs> we never do it, but we do talk about it. And that's we do uh, talk about it. It keeps the keeps the flame going. You know what I mean? It does. The yes. flame? Yes. See what I did there?
1: Uh-huh. They're only number one hit.
0: <sighs> only number one hit. They didn't in write the it. States. Though. Yes, in the States. they did not. But uh, you know, I, I've been, you know, wanting to talk to you and, and in my head when I picked you to to do an interview with me i thought i bet he's gonna pick cheap trick and you did <laughs> and i'm not <laughs> and i'm not exactly sure why they're my favorite band
2: yeah
1: and i think i just think they're outside of that they're just super interesting they're and very, they're i i think of the midwest thing has a lot to do with it in the fact that like they didn't leave for a coast which as even at the time a yeah. lot of Bands did that from them if they were from the Midwest and wanted to get bigger. It's like they kind of
0: proudly stood as like, no, we're some weirdos from Rockford. Totally. Yeah, I think part of that though is because a couple of them did move to Philadelphia before they did.
1: Yes, they did. They were starting.
0: Um, They were in this band called Fuse, right?
1: Yes, they were in Fuse. Yeah, it was uh, Rick Nielsen and Tom Peterson were
0: in Fuse, and so they went there, and and it included the singer of the Nas. Um, yes. for, for those of you listeners that have listened to all the podcasts, you'll re, you'll remember the Naz because that's the band that uh, Todd Rundgren was first in, like his mm-hmm. first band. And when Todd Rundgren left, Rick Nielsen became the the main singer of the band, guitar player, and probably guitar be- It must be guitar in, because Todd Riz is a guitar player of the band.
1: In Fuse, I believe he mostly, at least on the Fuse LP, he's credited with organ first. And then guitar. I'm sure oh. he played guitar way more.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm no, guessing. No, I'm talking about the Naz.
1: Oh, he was Rick, he actually in the Naz?
0: Rick Nielsen was in the Naz for a very short period of time, right after Todd Rundgren left. Yes.
1: Oh, that would make sense because Naz 3 came out in like 70 or 71, and like the Fuse album came out like that same year. So it had to have been a little window yeah. of time, I think. Yeah
0: yeah yeah so that that was one of some of the most interesting stuff that i i mean there's lots of interesting facts about yeah about them but the todd Rundgren connection i thought that that was uh i mean it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. you know like that that pop rock bass that they both kind of come from he later produced one of their records too yes he sure did absolutely yeah. well i mean who whose record did he <laughs> not produce <laughs> oh god todd rungrin produced just about everything
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Did he even do an early Sparks record? I don't. I, they were on Bearsville label, which uh, Rundgren did a lot of stuff.
0: Uh, I think. He, I think he did. Not only did he do a Sparks record, he did the very first Sparks record. Originally, they were titled Half Nelson and were a three piece. It was the Mail Brothers along with guitarist Earl Mankey. Todd Rundgren signed them to the Bearsville label and produced their debut record in 1971. The Mail Brothers reported it was a very positive experience. Go, Todd. I know they did something like maybe in the past two, three years. Sparks and Todd. Oh, yeah. Oh, possibly. Yeah. 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 I just saw the documentary. It's amazing. It's so (laughs) like. I loved it. (laughs) One of those documentaries was like, is this real life? Mm hmm. But that that band is that way. It's like, is this a is this really happening? You know, is like, this
1: a real band making real music? That is that their real <laughs> lyrics? <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> They're not joking.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, maybe tongue in cheek, but it's it's so cool and interesting. Super cool. <laughs> I love Super that band. Cool.
0: But alas, we are not talking about sparks on this episode. We're talking about the great Midwestern band Cheap Trick from Rockford, Illinois. proud proud to be from rockford illinois and because they are from such a close area as you and i are from you know you Mm -hmm. me closer than you you're from antigo which is way in the sticks of northern wisconsin yeah yeah it's it's up there a bit yeah i'm from janesville which yeah is you know pretty much the center point janesville in between rockford and madison yeah yeah in fact, there was one point I recall that in Money Magazine. I, I want to say this was probably 1995. They had listed Madison as the best city to live in in America, and they had live they had listed Rockford, Illinois, as the worst city to live in in America. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! And I thought I, I, I thought it was a novel treat that I was 45 minutes in between both places. Yeah, so I guess that made Janesville the most average place to live in America in 1996. Um, which is why it sounds ch- about fair. Yeah, I think so. Which is why I chose yeah. Madison. So I, I, <laughs> I went up there, and uh, but meanwhile, I was I, I actually was in a, an emo band before they called an emo in Rockford. So I was driving down to Rockford because I was in a band with the guys that uh, ran the pit skate park in Rockford, oh. Illinois. Jim Bell. Nice, yeah. Who actually I had I had to contact him to ask him about the cuisine of Rockford, Illinois, because I wanted to get this right. This is really important. <laughs> Rockford, Illinois might have a a better palate for food than Janesville does. Janesville is well known for chain restaurants go to die. Like there's still a ground <laughs> round there. Like we oh had a Bob's God. Big Boy forever. Like all these. <laughs> Like the last one, I think maybe the last Shakeys was there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you're right on that. And I have not been to Janesville for quite a while. But the last time, last few times I remember driving through, it's like yes, there's a big long strip of like chain restaurants. Yeah,
0: when we were trying to figure out this food, we were really feeling our our Midwestern upbringing. Mm-hmm. I thought of the tater tot casserole. Yeah. Now, when I thought about the tater casserole, it also made me think about the term casserole and hot dish. And so I started asking around. Now, where you're from, way up in the sticks, did you call it a casserole or a hot dish? Um,
1: I heard both terms. If I recall correctly, my, um, uh, my feeling about it is if it was a specific dish, it was a casserole, like a such-and-such such casserole. Yeah. Whereas as a generalized term for a casserole, like, oh, just make some sort of hot dish. Yes. It was kind of like that.
0: Same thing for me. Now, for those of you who are not from the Midwest and don't know what we're talking about, this is a popular thing that you would have it. Like say your Lutheran potluck, everybody is supposed to bring a casserole or a hot dish and it's basically a crock pot filled with food Mm -hmm. and where we come from, you would just call that a casserole. And you're right. There are casseroles. You've got your tuna casserole, your tater yeah. tot casserole. There's like a broccoli noodle casserole. Yeah. Um, but if you head over into Minnesota, Minnesota, they call <laughs> all of these things a hot dish. And for whatever reason, we just won't shop about it. But <laughs> it's it's neither here nor there. After a little bit of debating, it's, it's suddenly occurred to me, do they even do either of these in Rockford, Illinois? And after doing a survey, the first number of people that got in touch with me sort of debunked this idea that either of these things were of any importance whatsoever to Rockford, Illinois. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of had to put the kibosh on that. Yeah. Yeah. There are plenty of bands from Minnesota, very good bands that will later get attached to a, a hot dish or a tater tot hot dish, but alas, <laughs> not today. No, not today. Unfortunately, uh, which all right. I, I know, but I was bummed because this is something I don't think I've had since I was maybe 11 or 12. So I was <laughs> looking forward to introducing this food to my, uh, you know, snobby Italian wife. Be like, Hey, dig in. <laughs> Absolutely. Hope, you li- hope you like condensed soup. <laughs> It makes everything really good does that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can put your rabbit in there, the rabbit mm-hmm. that's your squirrel, anything that you, yeah. Small game animals. Mm-hmm. hunted. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I started asking around um, and I, and I did have some friends that went into great detail about the food of Rockford, Illinois. And they said very specifically that there was, well, hold on before sure. I get there. Did you, did you have any thoughts yourself? For what food you thought cheap trick might be,
1: I want. I was thinking of trying to think of something that was affordable, but very likable, and maybe a little weird. If yes. you think of, if you thought about it too hard, but if you don't think about it hard, it's like oh yeah, this is just pleasing and cheap.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think with that, I think we we went in the right direction.
1: I. I Wholeheartedly agree. The more I think about it, it's pretty fitting.
0: Yeah. And it's it's one of these foods that becomes more and more fitting as time goes on. Because I keep learning new things about this that makes it even more perfect. Oh, nice. So in Rockford, Illinois, apparently they have their own style of pizza. Now it's not quite your Chicago pizza. Now, Chicago pizza is as we know a, a deep dish, thick pizza. I think they put the sauce on top of the cheese. Yes. It's it's chaos. I don't yeah. I don't know why they do this. You can eat I, one. You can eat one slice, and then you've got leftovers for the next week.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I don't like it or if I haven't had a really good one. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm with <laughs> you. I'm always like, I bet this is going to be good, and it's just like there's just something yeah. missing. It's a little soupy almost. Yeah, kind of. It's yeah. Can't, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint. Yeah. Rockford. They don't care. They say. Nuts to that. You can go ahead and have your deep dish. whatever you is we're <laughs> going to do our own pie. And not only are we going to do our only our own pie, we're going to cut that sucker in squares. Yeah. they cut their egg pizzas in squares. It's party cut. I, party cut. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my friends about this practice and they're like, oh yeah, well you can get a Sicilian pizza. and I'm Like no, 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 no. It's a circle pizza. Yeah. But they cut it in squares anyway. Mm-hmm. Party cut. Yes. Now, there are three or four different pizzerias around Rockford that really have the style nailed down. And truthfully, Kyle, I've, I've never had a pizza from Rockford, Illinois.
1: Um, I have once when Rockavira played at Mary's Place in Rockford, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. Our drummer, Paul Kennedy, is from Rockford, and he took us to Sam's Pizza. That's the and place. It, it was excellent and unbelievably affordable for how satisfying
0: it was. Mm, exactly. This this is the food. It is a pizza cut into into squares, and since I have no access to anything in Rockford, Illinois, being in New York City, we're just going to go ahead and say frozen pizza, cheap trick. Mm-hmm. Is a frozen pizza cut in squares
1: delightful?
0: Here we go. The other food that we, we thought as it could have been something Swedish. Yes, because these boys are these boys are
1: Swedish, and when I when I consulted. Paul Kennedy about uh, hey, you're from Rockford. Uh, and he gave me some restaurants for like food recommendations. Like, oh, I'm thinking more like what would families and people make at home. He's like, Oh, it's either gonna be some sort of Italian feast or Swedish pancakes, because it's just Italians and Swedes.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Swedish pay. I don't I I don't think that uh, cheap trick is a morning band. No. <laughs> <laughs> not quite they're 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 a lunch band or an afternoon band, or, or late night band yeah a rocking band and they're a little rough they are that's when that they're
1: they're finest i feel It's when so they're rougher on the edges
0: yeah i think so too um so yeah swedish pancakes that just wasn't gonna cut it yeah and then so i started looking up swedish food and, and ultimately the first thing that comes up is, is ikea
1: oh yeah they're not <laughs> they're not a meatball they they're are not, not a meatball band
0: there no there no no, absolutely not (laughs) no nor have i recalled ever hearing cheap trick at an ikea which is a really a dang shame Hmm.
1: i've never never been to an ikea
0: no fun fact kyle's never been to an ikea so very nice how about you tell me about the first time do you remember the first time you heard cheap trick or was it just always a part of the fabric for you
1: um it's a little odd because um i am a rock and roll fan and a record collector since for as long as i can remember and started with digging in my older siblings record collections none of them had nice. any cheap trick so i did not get into them from there but i got into like queen and elo and like sticks and then there was like cassette dubs of um meatloaf bat out of hell which <sighs> so like the cassette dubs like meatloaf bat out of hell and kiss destroyer like hmm. i didn't I never saw the art work for those records i just heard the music and fell in love with that whoa which especially listening to your meatloaf episode it's like i know how iconic that cover is i never thought about it before it's like i never saw that cover until long after i had digested the music and was really into it yeah crazy but of course i classic rock radio i'd I'd heard like started hearing the uh, Budokan versions of surrender and um I uh, want you to want me and ain't that a shame. They'd be played on the stations up north, but not that often. And I'd be like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Sure. So when I was a teenager, and then I finally like started getting I found like a three CD set of the first three cheap trick albums, like a little mini box that was cheap somewhere. I'm like, got yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can get into this. And that was around the time I was starting to play in like crappy little punk bands. We were really garage bands because we our, we practiced in a trailer house that was empty that belonged to the family of the other guitar player in the band. But
2: train house. In,
1: yeah, it's just an, they rented it to an elderly gentleman who passed, and then it just sat empty for a while and it had power and water. So, like, yeah, let's, we can just go there and rock it. was in the middle of the country. So we could make <laughs> all the noise we wanted and nobody cared. It was amazing and high. It's the
0: most northern Wisconsin. <laughs> band experience I've ever heard. Go on. So,
1: so, um, playing oftentimes playing bass with us was uh, Dan Bourneman. You know, Dan, Dan oh, yeah. Motor of the Motors, and his parents befriended this newer couple that had moved to Antigo, and the husband of the of the couple was used to be a drum tech. He uh, touring with Cheap Trick back in the mm-hmm. day he was their drum tech. And before that he, he was there. He was with them around the, the flame era. So when they were really big again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And before that he had been with Ario Speedwagon at the beginning of the eighties in the high infidelity area with the era when they were really big. Wow. So he had some amazing stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can only imagine.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, that only encouraged our, uh, our cheap trick fandom. Cause like we got, I don't know. It was just kind of knowing him and hearing some stories and getting into the music all at the same time made it a lot more personal, sort of. Sure. It's like it's like oh, these guys are just weird Midwestern rock guys, kind of like we are. But
0: it's amazing. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, you know, I I have that aunt who has who who will stop short of finishing the story, where she's like, oh yeah, I would party with uh, Cheap Trick. Back in the day. And uh that that bass player. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, you want yes. some more of your casserole? <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty sure my aunt uh something. Um, so that's my connection to cheap trick.
2: Nice. Uh
0: that and other that they're just kind of like local local folks you know like our drummer of the the hometown sweethearts would has stories of like hanging and talking with bunny barney carlos drummer oh, nice. of cheap trick who is one of the most amazing virtuoso drummers out there he is fantastic yeah he is if you look up on on wikipedia they say that he's the only drummer that can play just as easily left-handed as he can right-handed yes and and usually you see his drum set set up right handed. He plays like a normal fella, um, mm-hmm. but because he's originally a left-handed person, um, his instinct is to lead his fills with his left hand, which is yep. the same thing that Ringo Starr does. That's oh, why I did
1: not realize that.
0: Yeah, that's ah. why Ringo Starr has like such a unique style because you know he'll kind of switch back when he does like when he's leading to his toms and coming back. You know, mm. it, it just has a different, you know, just a different layout altogether. Yeah. But in my research of of all things Cheap Trick, they would also mentioned that on John Lennon's final record, he had invited uh, Bonnie Carlos and Rick Nielsen to record a song with them. Yep. Uh, which was called... Uh, I'm Losing You. I'm Losing You, correct. Yes. Along with bass player Tony Levin. Yes. Levin. Yes. From King Crimson. Mm-hmm. That their version of the track never didn't make it onto the original pressing of the record. No. Uh, eventually it did come out 1998. However, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because there's sort of a video where they sort of recreate the three of the live ones are playing the song. And mm-hmm. Bernie Carlos is playing his drums left-handed. His hi hat is on the other side. It's backwards. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, is it a mirror image? But then I'm looking at the guitar players and they're playing right-handed. Yes, I've seen this. Yes. <laughs> so, so what? Bunny is just like whatever way he wants to set up his drum set that day. He can just yeah. do that. He's like, it's a video. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's, that's so Bunny Carlos. He, like, he he probably thought it was a joke. He doesn't give a rat's tail. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah none of those guys do that's that's the funny thing about it is yes. um yeah let, so let's dive into the, the early days mm-hmm. cheap trick um before they were before they were cheap trick they were just a bunch of bands from rockford various bands <laughs> only for all i can tell only one member is actually born in rockford illinois is that rick that would no that would be oh, buddy, really? that would be
1: doug carlson buddy oh, okay. I, th- I think it's brad carlson i think that's what's throwing me I don't want to derail you. (laughs) No. Derail you should. Okay. Brad. Brad Brad Carlson. Carlson.
0: Uh, I thought I had one on you. You got me back. (laughs) We're good. Nice. He's born in Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. Tom Peterson, I have no idea. Same. Okay, I can confirm. Tom Peterson was born in Rockford, Illinois. Look it up. I did.
1: Which one was born in Wisconsin?
0: Robin Zanders is born in Beloit, Wisconsin. That's right. Beloit. Beloit. B-town. Which, yep. A stone's throw. Uh, or as they say, a, a stone dropped into the toilet. Makes the sound <laughs> Beloit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We, there's a little bit of rivalry between James and Beloit. But yes. That said, boy, that Robin sure can sing.
1: Still. 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 All these I- years. I will say I last saw them in 2019, and he sounded better than the two or three previous times
0: I had seen him. No kidding.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: Uh I've only seen Cheap Trick once. It was at Summerfest. Really? Yeah. I'm a little yeah. surprised at that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'll be honest with you. I'm not. I, yeah. I I like the idea of Cheap Trick more than I do actually. Cheap Trick. I could. I can see that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but at the look—the look of Cheap Trick is amazing. Nobody, mm-hmm. no, only one band looks like that. Yes, you've got the two handsome guys, yeah. as we always say, the two rock stars, the two rock stars. You got the uh, Bowery Boys guitar player with the weird hat, and, and the you know the accountant on and, drums. <laughs> yeah, insurance salesman. Yes, <laughs> chain smoking used car salesman. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also they had short hair. Two guys in the band had short hair. Yeah. In when the we were, in the 70s. That's unheard of. When yeah. we were growing up, there was no rock musicians with short hair. Yep. <laughs> Let alone <laughs> rock musicians that are like fat and <laughs> with the mustache and. <laughs> yeah. And glasses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were basically just set up to be a huge band in Japan. Yes. Like you look at those guys. There, I mean, there are a anime rating to happen.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: You could draw those guys. A six-year-old can draw each member, mm-hmm. and you know which guy you are talking about. Not, <laughs> yes. not like Cinderella. You draw Cinderella, it's like who are these chicks? No, yeah. <laughs> these, <laughs> these guys. <laughs> cheap Trick looks like a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so weird. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So they start playing. As we said, they've got these ties, sort of to like. Philadelphia and Todd Rundgren and all that. Yep. So eventually their their band doesn't work out. They got the little band fuse. They put out an album that they actually, I think is pretty good. I
1: have you you heard it? I have a copy and I haven't listened to it in years. I remember it being okay. There's like, there's like glimpses of stuff that, that I like where it's like, oh, they're like, they're caught, which they would do throughout their career. It's like, oh, they're, they're copping some of the, uh, creepy chord progressions from white album in some spots and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's something that they always did.
0: Sure. Yes. Lifelong beetle fans. Mm-hmm. They even went so far as to cover the entire Sergeant peppers record yeah. later later on in life when they were trying mm-hmm. to find ways of staying relevant. Yeah. In the world of rock and roll. <laughs> Cause they're, you know, they're maybe the hardest working band out there. They're one of them for sure. They're, 40 some years into this business if not 50 50s i'm 50s around the corner if it's not there yet
1: yeah 19 yeah i think so
0: yeah 1973 they started
1: yeah yeah they're they're almost 50 years in
0: yeah and they were discovered in waukesha wisconsin yes at a bowling alley which further ties in the pizza yeah there you go what else do you eat at a bowling alley I feel like that was like where I, the first time I saw one of those frozen pizza ovens.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> totally. That cooks the 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 pizza perfectly. They really do. They're so totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they get discovered there and they had said that they, they would just play wherever they could get a gig at that point. And all clubs were basically looking for bands to play top 40 music. And so they would tell them, yeah, we play top 40 music. And then they would show up and and play original music anyway. Yes. And and like weird B-sides.
1: Oh, there there are... uh, I've got like some bootleg recordings of stuff that Bunny actually put out himself in the 90s or 2000s of them playing in Milwaukee in like 1975, like two years before the first album. Their originals are so weird for them and and aggressive. It's Really? It's kind of mind-blowing. Wow.
0: I want to hear that.
1: I can share some of that with you. It's pretty great. think bad,
2: catch You anything right. If I catch you with him, you won't make it through the night. Hey, hey, hey,
0: Bunny, yeah. Bunny was the uh, documentarian of the group. Yep, he always would record their shows. So he says he's got like thousands of recordings of like mostly all of their shows that they've ever. Whenever they were able to just, you know, hand the sound man a cassette tape and have yep. the guy push play, they would do it. Yeah. So so man to <laughs> to spend some time in that uh, that vault, especially in those days, because that was when they were still you know kind of shooting from the hip. Later on in life, when they started getting a little closer, the band preferred, or at least Bunny preferred, to have a set that they would basically play every single night. They were no Grateful Dead. They weren't like mixing it up like crazy. They do now, though. Now that Bunny's Bunny's not a part of it, because Bunny was the guy that got annoyed, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, eventually, uh, and then they said whenever the club didn't like what they were doing, they would just change their name and, and rebook themselves to the same club. Yes. <laughs> and so maybe this is where the the, the original name of the band was a dead sick man in Europe, sick man of Europe.
1: Yeah. Yes. Cause they later had a released a song called that like in the two yeah. thousands, like 2004 or something, I think. Yes. On the album, the latest. Oh yeah. Later than that. Okay. Yeah. Like 2008 ish somewhere on the Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a jam, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Recorded recorded very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, going back to the... My, personally, for me, one of the main problems I've had with Cheap Trick is the guitar tone. Oh, yeah. I, to me, it just... it. He has all this equipment and all these great guitars, and I don't know why I've never connected with his guitar tone. It feels really... I don't know. Like it's lacking a personality to me. He's, it, it's often kind of thin,
1: especially on live stuff, because yeah. he's usually it, it, he will of a. I've seen a recent interview with him where he's like, "Yeah, I'm not a good guitar player." He's like, "I'm definitely not a great guitar player, but I can kind of make noise and do what I want, and I can put on a show." And that's where Tom Peterson, like live especially Tom Peterson's twelve string ba- bass comes in because that is carrying everything, and then. Nielsen totally. can just run around and play whatever nonsense he feels like doing at any given time, and Throw the song h- doesn't fall
0: apart. Throw how, however many picks he wants to in the audience. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching an interview with Rick, and you know he was in like a small room, and he's still holding on to picks. It yeah. almost feels like it's like a security blanket for him. Like he's yeah. just used to having picks in his hands at all times. It's like it's like a compulsion or something. Totally. It was yeah. him and one other guy. It's like, what are you going to do? Throw a pick at the one guy in in the the room. (laughs) Super weird. Yeah. Which, by the way, let's talk about the 12 string bass. Yes. Invented by Tom Mm -hmm. Peterson. Yes. I mean, how many people out there can say that they invented an instrument? You've got Les Paul. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And and Tom Peterson. and, And my list is done. That's all I got. You may not know this, but you do know a 12-string bass. Have you ever heard the song Jeremy by Pearl Jam? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That sound, that beginning, he's playing a 12-string bass. That's what gives it that big, full, chordal, almost harp-like sound. do 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 Take it, Kyle.
1: Yeah, because 8-string electric basses existed before that. But the 12-string, in addition to just adding a second it's not an octave higher than the two you would already have with an eight string. It's, it's one, like f- the four low strings of the base. And then each string has two strings that are one octave up from that. So they're doubled like that. Oh, so but it's not tripled. It's, it's not tripled. Oh, I mean, there, okay. there, I mean, there's, there's three, str- there it's triples of strings.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: But, um, it's, one at the low octave and then two, one octave above it. There's not like a higher octave above. There's not a third octave in there. Oh, okay. And But then with his with what he did, that kind of makes it a unique invention is that he designed it to have all of that power. And then I think there are separate outputs per pickup of the instrument. And then he feeds several different amplifiers, usually guitar amplifiers, like Whoa. big loud guitar half stacks instead of a bass amp. Then there's like a one thing running to a DI to get the low end, like the
0: low lows. Insanity.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is the sound. I swear to God, uh, once when I saw them with the guys in the motors, they played at the Barrymore, like in Madison, circa 2005 or so. Mm-hmm. And we ended up very close to the like front of the stage, and we we're on the Tom Peterson side. And I swear, and I think those guys would agree, we saw Tom Peterson bend on the 12-string bass, like a full step up. What? I know, I know. It sounds insane, but we heard it, and we saw it, and it was crazy. His I, hands are huge.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, like, bending aside, like how does he just not have mad carpal tunnel? Because yeah. a, a bass already is a big old string, and then you put yeah. two more big old strings on it? <laughs> yeah. You're just asking for trouble. Now hmm no, he, he could tame it. Good man. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So then uh, Tom Peterson, he prominently uses a vintage Gibson Thunderbird. It was his main instrument for many years until a girlfriend threw it out of a hotel window during an argument.
1: (laughs) Oh, that poor Thunderbird. (laughs) poor Thunderbird.
0: (laughs) I've heard that Tom is uh, sort of notorious for having a uh, a thing for the ladies.
1: I could see that. I would not. Yeah, I'd believe it. He's
0: a handsome fella and a good personality. Yes. I mean, talking to Rick, he is, he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> his interviews are really just like a circus.
1: Yes. He plays his character, whether he's playing one or not. And just as we mentioned earlier, they don't care. They, they don't do care at all. They do not care.
0: Nope. <laughs> no, they really make a point of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, really, the only, the only person you're going to get any reliable information far as like history goes when trying to learn about cheap trick is like you just got to go right to tom (laughs) and it's it's funny because he's he's slightly bitter about the whole thing like he's having an interview and the lady's like well you know you guys have sold millions of records he's like no we haven't what are you talking about if you like add all the records together we sold millions but no i mean like aerosmith they sold 30 million we sold 3 million yeah and she's like well (laughs) what about that uh buddha He's like, yeah, that came out. We'd already were in the hole for three records. So that came out and then we were broke even.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So then we're even. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. They're like kind of a cult band. Us, us Midwesterners. To me, it feels like they're just as popular and as big as Aerosmith. Yeah. But then they'll still do
1: like headlining tours, but then they would also like the last 15 years. Whenever Aerosmith would do a headlining tour, who would they pick most of the time as their opening act on the tour? Cheap Trick, cheap Trick, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, totally. So they they ride a very odd line in the public consciousness, I think, because I think most people that are familiar with any sort of that era classic rock, they know Cheap Trick songs, whether For they sure. know they know them or not, yeah. yeah. But they're and they are popular with a lot of people, but they're not. Completely a household name? No, there's there's their
0: songs are are popular, more popular than the band. Yes. I, when I was telling people that I was doing this episode for Cheap Trick, they're like, who's that? And I'm like, I want you to, oh yeah, that I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody knows that song. Mm -hmm. And then they have songs that you never even have to hear and you know them like, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. The perfect opener. The perfect opener. (laughs) Yeah. It's so great. Yeah, all right. So we got sick man in Europe. They get signed. They put out their first record. Yes. No hits on that record. And that they uh, they they got signed
1: after they made the record. They may Jack Douglas is the guy who discovered the producer is the guy that saw them at that bowling alley. Okay. And supposedly he was in Waukesha because he had a son with some woman that lived there and he was visiting. And someone was like, "Hey, this crazy band is playing at this bowling alley. You should really check them out." It was like oh, one wow. of those situations, and he's like, yeah, "All right, I'll I'll need something to do tonight. Whatever." And He's like, "Whoa, what is this?
0: No and kidding."
1: He, yeah, and he, uh, I think he put up the money for recording himself. He's like, "We'll record your record, and then we'll shop it," because they had already been turned down a bunch. He's like, "We'll get this. We'll get this done."
0: Yeah, because they basically already had one failed album before being Cheap Trick. Yeah, so they got it made. They put it out, and then uh, no hits. They had to do follow up in color. Do you think in color is as terrible as Tom Peterson thinks? Sound wise, yes.
1: Song wise, it's probably their best record, which is the most frustrating thing about it. Totally, because the songs are incredible, but it it was recorded and mixed in such a fashion that. What the band actually actually sounds like was a lot of that was removed. There's no power to it. It's very, yeah, very kind of slick and it's
0: not even that slick. It's just kind of weak and thin sounding. It's weird. if any of you listeners have heard that the version, the recorded studio version of "I Want You to Want Me," it's embarrassing it's, it's yeah, like, it's unlistenable
1: <laughs> it, it's like kind of a it's like an old-timey love song. Yeah, kind of done as a joke. Yeah. But when they rip into a it live, it's like, oh, there's some life.
0: There's yes. how it works. <laughs> and is there another band? I feel like they're the only band that their live record was what broke the band.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: other than Peter Frampton.
1: He's the only other one that, at that level of a live record breaking a band, I think. Yeah. Yes.
0: But to that avail, Peter Frampton. As far as the classic rock radio listening public, you only hear those live versions of those pre-defractive songs. Like cheap trick, yeah. I want you to want me. You're always gonna hear the live version because Mm -hmm. it's by all accounts the superior version. But Surrender, you still hear the you still hear the studio version of Surrender, you still the Dream Police, like they were starting, they were still making great hit songs after that. So yeah, you know, they were able to overcome that, but. Still, it's 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 something that it never happens.
1: Yeah, these days, I I think Peterson blamed it it, because the same producer did the next two albums after that. Tom Warman, I I believe, did the both uh, Heaven Tonight and Dream Police, and I think uh, Tom Peterson blamed it on an incompetent engineer in the studio, just like didn't know how to mic things properly or get the sounds that they wanted or something. I, I think that combined with. Werman was specifically trying to make them a little more uh, commercially viable. So that combined with a bad engineer ended up with that album.
0: Yeah. That seemed to plaque cheap trick throughout their entire career. There was always, but I mean, this is like a tried and true record label thing. We're going to mm. soften you guys up. We need the hits dog on it. Yeah. So and what else can you do with you. You've got to uh, sort of walk that line where you're giving the record company what they want. But mean. meanwhile, Cheap Trick, they don't give a rat's tail. I told you, man. And
1: that's where they, I don't know how valid it is to say, but they kind of had like at least dipping a toe into punk rock. Not not consciously, but just sure. with their approach to stuff and how they would just do whatever to get away with whatever they wanted. Yeah.
0: A little bit. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. You might argue that, yeah, the punk rock is on the backside of all of the records. Those two dudes. Yeah. You know, this, this, you don't
1: get any more punk. Just weirdo misfits that are playing rock and roll. Yeah. Not the pretty boy model rock and roll singer guys. Yeah.
0: But but meanwhile, the front cover of the records is the antithesis (laughs) of punk rock.
1: (laughs) Yes. You got these two pretty boys (laughs) sitting on motorcycles. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and you'd always wondered if it was be, just because they were so good looking that, that they were on the cover, but it turns out it's also because Rick and bunny are also very tall. So whenever yeah. they were, when they were all together, they would just look like giants compared to the two, uh, handsome yeah. members of the group. So <laughs> it was sort of a double purpose reason why you've got the two good looking guys in the front and the two weirdos on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So then, uh, you got your first four records and they're all good. Five, mm-hmm. six. Uh yeah. They do a record with producer George Martin.
1: Yeah, that's the fifth one, I believe. All shook up. Yeah. yeah. With the Beatles. Of the Beatles. Of the Beatles, yeah. Fame. Yes.
0: And then Tom Peterson, he's so uh he's so ticked off, he just leaves the band.
1: Yeah. I don't know if there is a single reason why he left. Yeah. I know that there might have been substance abuse issues, but also he was frustrated with them not selling as much as he would have liked. And then he went and made a record with his girlfriend or wife at the time. Yeah. Which isn't terrible, actually. It's very weird.
0: Really? Yeah. They said he was trying to go in a, a new wave direction with her.
1: Kind of, yeah. And it's yeah. like it's like halfway between Cheap Trick and New Wave. I think some of some it's a little disco-y, too. Yeah, it was it was the only couple times I've heard it. I remember liking it much better than I expected. Nice. I expected it to be really, really bad.
0: It sounds like that would be bad. That's a formula for something that's not going to be so good.
1: Yeah, like uh, like his European wife or whatever talks him out of being in Cheap Trick or something like that. I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah.
0: Like when D.D. King decided to be a rapper, yeah, he started to be. It's like this isn't gonna.
1: Yeah, it sounds like some sort of drug induced bad idea.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, one of the other reasons I had heard is that he, I had heard that he actually wanted to sing more on the Cheap Trick records.
1: You know, I could probably see that because they often had a song that he would sing live, but that was like pretty much it. And yeah. he's got he's got an odd voice. Does he? Yeah. I mean, it's I don't think he's terrible or anything, but. He doesn't totally mesh with like when even when Nielsen's like doing backups with Xander,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: kind of fit, even yeah. though Nielsen's like goofy, but they're in the same range, too. Nielsen sure. can sing pretty high. Yeah. And yeah, Peterson's got kind of a he's kind of both gravelly and nasally, like a little <laughs> bit of each. It nah, not, a, not a not a ton both ways, but a little bit of each.
0: Not a good combo.
1: But he does like he always sings uh the song called I Know What I Want which is a, just a great rocker. All right. Yeah. I think that's off the Dream Police album.
2: Mm, or okay.
1: on Heaven Tonight. I can't remember. It's one of those two.
0: Yeah. So he, he leaves the band. He's had it. Mm-hmm. And he's out. And they bring in, I don't know. They bring in one guy. Who was first? Pete Pete Kamita? That's right, Kyle. Italian-born Pete Kamita replaced Tom Peterson and Cheap Trick in 1980, went on tour with them for one year till 1981, later in life, joined the band Enough's Enough in 1987, and left the band in 1987. And that's all we know about Pete Kamita. Carry on. So then apparently, then, so we're just going to skip over this period because this is the period where Cheap Trick is really having a rough go.
1: I will say like starting with the George Martin r- record which didn't have any hits on it. It kind of yeah. should have. It's got some really good songs on it. But this starts the the era of really kind of spotty albums with high high points. Okay. Yeah. A lot of the 80s stuff is kind of like that. Really. Yeah. They're they're all a little better than their reputation. And I I mean Okay. I'm a, a super fan. But if yeah. they weren't very good. I mean there is one that is not good and we'll get to that.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you on Spotify, Kyle?
1: I am not. Okay. I'm not not a streamer.
0: All right. I was going to say maybe you could well maybe you could send me a list of the high points of those records and oh, we'll sure. make a mix. We'll yeah. make a mix and I'll 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 post it up and have people check that out.
1: I can totally do that. All right.
0: Cool. Yeah. We're going to dig up and find the sweet moments of cheap trick history during their dark period there are
1: gems and jams <laughs> right uh, on until like nineteen
0: eighty seven nice <laughs> or, or, <laughs> yeah.
1: or eighty six whenever the doctor came out that album is not good no it okay. uh, they got shoehorned with some producer who wanted to like synth everything and it's it's a nightmare. Ugh. I've heard a bootleg of that tour of them playing in Waukesha and some of the songs aren't bad when they're not, when they're unadorned more, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It really seemed that cheap trick had a hard time getting their stuff recorded properly.
1: Yeah. That was often a problem.
0: Yeah. In fact, let's just go ahead and bring this up. The, The first album that we were talking about in color, which is their second record, which has great songs. Terrible productions. Mm-hmm. They the band decided to go back and try to re-record that record with Steve Albini.
1: Yes. I, w- I was hoping you would bring this up.
0: Uh, and it never came out.
1: Never it, it's never come out because of lawyers and whatnot, and yeah. the old label owning the rights to stuff, I believe. Yeah.
0: But you can go ahead and find that on YouTube. It is so good. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's amazing. Just buckle up. The sounds are great. You know, it's, it's such a good. Great- Such a great combination. Those tunes with his production style, mm-hmm. you know, because because that that's what he does best is capture the band in their purest form.
1: Yep. And, and their purest form sounds fantastic. Totally. Yeah.
0: yeah. They're firing all cylinders. Is, is Bunny playing drums on this?
1: Yes. He was still around for that. Nice. He didn't leave until like 2008, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. They they did they re-recorded that around I believe 1997. Ah oh wow okay. yeah, and I've even heard that they they didn't even weren't 100 planning on releasing it when they recorded it. They just wanted to see if they could get it right or get the sound <laughs> that they, the way they wanted to. It's so yes. good.
0: That was a little footnote we wanted to throw in there yeah um so then we go back to Tom Peterson joining the group, and then it's uh it's cheap trick in their full glory. all the members are there and and the labels like, all right, you guys, let's not mess this up mm-hmm. um it's it's been said that uh tom peterson the, the the way that he had fallen back into the good graces of the group is uh, there was some there was a thing happening, and like Bunny and Rick were sitting at the table, and Tom Peterson had walked by and accidentally spilled a pitcher of beer in their lap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the story. That is the story. Yeah. And from there on in, they said, All right, you're back in the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that so
1: encapsulizes Cheap Trick in a lot of ways. <laughs> especially,
0: especially to know that, like, you can confirm that that is the story. I I'm have, like, Yes. I've I'm heard like that. I, I thought, I'm sure Kyle's going to have something to add to this, but it's like, Nope, that's that, it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so they bring him back, and then the next record they bring in. A bunch of uh, ringer songwriters.
1: I don't think they brought them in. I believe they were foisted upon. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, which included their first number, their first and only number one hit single, "The Flame."
1: In America, I will add one of the one of the killer tracks from the mid '80s that didn't hit here was like number one in Australia or something. Oh, really? I, I believe if you want my love, if you want my love, you got it. it's it's another one of those like this is a perfect stadium anthem and it did not catch on here for whatever reason
0: i'm sorry kyle that is not correct if you want my love which was released in 1982 on their sixth album and also is the first one featuring new bass player john brant did have a hit in australia but it only reached number two that said, original bass player Tom Peterson said that this is one of the best tracks that Cheap Trick ever recorded, at least saying it was the most beatlesque. So there you have that. Mm-hmm. And they come out with the flame, and they the rumor was that they'd already recorded that record. What record is that on? It's on an album called "Lap of Luxury." Lap of Luxury."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was like an afterthought. Yeah, like they, they pitched him, the, and they're like, "Oh, we got to do one more. All right, bring in bring in this last one."
1: Yeah. Oh, here's um, your. You want us to do a ballad? All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what? There's no more ballads on that record.
1: Uh, uh, I don't. Oh, actually, is Ghost Town on that or the follow-up? I can't remember. Ghost Town's on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I believe definitely. I can't remember if they wrote that or not. Hmm. hmm. Sure, look it up. Sure. Life is a beach, you're covered in sand, isn't it grand? Now you're holding the stars in your
2: sweaty hands, your sweaty hands.
0: Hey, you like this tune? This song is from my guest, Kyle Urban his band Rocket Bureau. The tune is called Summertime Crime, and it's featured on his record, Middle Angst. And you can't stream it. You know why? Because he wants to see the profits. Who could blame him? If you're not familiar with Bandcamp, go to Bandcamp.com. You can check out his record, Middle Angst, there, along with a bunch of other recordings he's done as well. Rocket Bureau is pretty prolific, and the quality is high. Recommend it if you like Cheap Trick. Check it out. Let's see how other research is. Ghost Town, written by Nielsen and uh, Deanne Warren. Oh, wow.
1: That's a wicked co-write. Do you know who, I, who's Deanne Warren? Diane Warren. She's a super mega pop songwriter. Oh. That must have been pretty early in her career. I believe. Uh, didn't she write Don't Want to Miss a Thing? And other songs of that ilk? And like Celine Dion hits and stuff like that?
0: Oh, man, she wrote Rhythm in the Night by DeBarge. Oh, did she? Yep. If oh, I could I turn did. back time. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to miss the thing. You.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. You're right. I, that's weird. She co-wrote that with Nielsen. Yeah. How about that? That's kind of odd, but cool. That kind of makes yeah, sense maybe. where that's like sort of a borderline schmaltzy song, but kind of not.
0: Hmm. And The Flame was written by Bob Mitchell and Nick Graham. One of
1: Bob Mitchell. <laughs> okay. I, I balked on knowing who wrote ghost town. I will, I will just dunk on everyone with Bob Mitchell. <laughs> All right. Um, Tell me about
0: this Bob Mitchell
1: guy. Okay. I don't know a ton about him, but he, oh, okay. he co-wrote a bunch of songs, like two albums worth for this. He was, he's British. He co-wrote uh, two albums worth of songs for this British band called complex in like 1969, 1970, And they're like two of the two hyper rare psychedelic records that are super mega expensive. And he was not even in the band. He was just a friend of the keyboard player, I think. And those two guys co-wrote the songs.
2: Hmm.
1: Like he was the lyricist, I believe, or something like that. Okay. Got it. Some weird arrangement. I I like those complex records. So, yeah. (laughs) Right on. Right on. And looking up the guys who wrote those songs one day, I was like, what the hell? The guy who co-wrote The Flame? That's so weird, <laughs> random. And
0: yeah. they initially pit- they initially pitched it to a different artist, who turned it down. Yeah, blues rock singer Elky Brooks. Oh,
1: I don't think I know who that is. Me either. Mm. Not important. No.
0: Hey, did you do you know how they got their name? Cheap trick. Cheap trick. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't recall. They were inspired by going to a Slade show. Oh, this makes sense. Eight- They saw Slade and they said, wow, this band pulls out every cheap trick they can think of. Uh Uh-huh. They said, that would be a good band name. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And they took that name and they were like in L.A. or whatever. And they played some show for about 10 people, including Kim Foley, who was in the group. And Kim Foley took them aside. He's like, yeah, you guys are great, but your name sucks. You got to get rid of that name. Cheap trick. That's terrible. And you know what else you should do? You should wear like gold LeMay suits. (laughs) That's what he told them. Yeah. And they're like, like, you know what? Screw this guy. So when they went back home, they're like, yeah, all right. We need a thing. But how about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We just really overdo the things that we already do. Yeah.
1: Just amplify their personalities.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So like that was the time when the the two guys got their hairs cut. Mm -hmm. They basically said, let's just go to the secondhand store and see what we can do. And they go and uh, Bunny Carlos sees a suit for sale. He buys that. And he sees like the white shirts and they're like a quarter, a quarter. So he like says he buys an entire rack of them (laughs) because they're a quarter and they're super cheap and they're comfortable to play in. And uh, (laughs) from playing cards, he learns how to smoke a cigarette while he can do other things. He was so good at that. The best. Better than Keith Richards, maybe smoking a
1: cig while playing. Uh, Well, drumming that's inherently while drumming. Yeah, exactly. Both hands are busy at all times. Your body's moving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, with the guitar, like you can sort of take a moment and pull it out. Yeah. You know, you whether can, you do it or not. I you mean, pop
1: a cigarette out. on a string or something that's hanging off the headstock. or It's insane.
0: <laughs> the best smoker in rock and roll. I don't yes. think he smokes anymore. No, no. I, he better not.
1: No, he's healthy.
0: Yeah. You know, because they they went through their days of uh, drinking. Rick Nielsen said that he'd drink about a case and a half of beer a night. Oh, wow. After the shows. Yeah, yeah. Which was one of the reasons why they couldn't wait to play their last song. (laughs) Their favorite. Whenever asked, like, what's your favorite? What's your favorite song? It's a good night, ladies and gentlemen, because that means I get to go back to my hotel and there's a case of beer sitting in the (laughs) (laughs) in the tub under a a chest of ice and then they can start drinking.
1: That's in the uh, their 25th anniversary. They did a concert in Rockford and put it out on DVD called Silver. And okay. uh, and there's the the concert is cut up and interspersed with interviews with each of them. And Tom Peterson is in like a bubble bath for his interview on it. And he he answered that question almost the same way. They're, they're like, what was your favorite part of the show? Because they're talking about the big anniversary to do. He's like, oh, probably when we played goodnight night there because it was over. And they're, they're like, "What? you didn't play that at that show. He's like, oh, we didn't. He had like no idea. He either had no idea or he was really good at acting like he had you know, no idea.
0: Each it's it sounds like each member of that band answers that question the same way. What's I your favorite so. song? Uh, it's good night. It's, it's yeah. when the songs when the show is over. <laughs> Wh- which is like, come on, guys, you don't like to play your your great rock and roll music. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't blame him. I've been there like, ugh, oh, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. (laughs) Oh, another funny thing. When when Cheap Trick first started, they had a different singer. Last name Hogan. Zeno. Zeno Hogan. Zeno
1: Hogan. Yeah. Who uh, I later was the singer in Bad Boy, a long-running Milwaukee band.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seemed like them and Cheap Trick were kind of like the bands playing with everybody around that certain period of time. In fact, speaking of opening bands, not cheap trick, they've opened up for everybody, Um, and they were going to open up for Otis Redding on the night that Otis Redding's plane crashed and landed in Madison, Wisconsin, in in the Lake Lake Minona, and and it was the
1: they were last and they were known as the the Grim
0: Reapers at the time. They were the Grim Reapers. Yeah, I was going to ask. I knew they were a different name.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure how many of the members were in. The, I know it was Nielsen for sure. And maybe Bunny at that oh. point. Maybe Tom. I'm not sure which guys were in. That was like, that's like before
0: Fuse a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, when they finally started getting back together, started getting the real Cheap Trick members As we said, we had this other singer. The reason they actually wanted Robin to be in the band, but he was under contract in the Wisconsin Dells. Yeah, (laughs) do you know? Do you know what he was doing in the Wisconsin Dells? I believe
1: he was part of a duo that was playing at that would play nightly at some resort or something like that during the summers. It was one of those kind of situations. Yeah, it was him and another guy, just acoustic guitars and singing or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But probably making pretty good money for a young guy. Having a summer sure. gig. Yeah. Yeah. Summer gig in a resort town. Probably
0: wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if those of you who don't know Wisconsin Dells, it has the most water parks in anywhere in the entire world mm-hmm. per capita. They have more water parks than Janesville has chain restaurants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that might be actually true.
0: <laughs> hey, do you know, do you know why, uh, they have that checkered board theme. Do you know what, what Rick's reason for wanting to have that was?
1: Oh, I, he brought it up in that recent interview. I just saw with him. I'm blanking on it.
0: What it was is that he had this vision of like, when at the end of the day, when TV was done, that's right. After their final program, Mm -hmm. you know, they'd show the color, They'd show the color strips, and then all of a sudden it would just go, and you'd have like that white noise. Mm-hmm. And he was really interested in that white noise. Like he would look at it and kind of see pictures and and see all these things. So he kind of just wanted to recreate that look on stage, where you just sort of looked looked like this transcendent three D, wherever <laughs> your wherever your brain wants to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this this was the seventies. These yeah. guys were on a, a lot of drugs at that time. <laughs>
1: And that was just from at, him being a
0: weird kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was before he got into drugs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not that he really got into drugs. This is one band that really doesn't have like a big giant drug story.
1: Like Tom Peterson might be closest, and that's and that I'm not even sure about that. That's just because he left the band and came back, in, in like the beginning of the '80s, when like every band at that level was probably doing uh, going skiing. As sure. you like to call it. Yes.
0: That, hey, you're a listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to tell because Rick Nielsen is such a weirdo all yeah. the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's hmm. hard to tell if, if like <laughs> drugs had anything to do with it mm-hmm. or not. He's still kind of weird, but not totally weird. He's old man weird now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And the the funny thing is, as like original members of the band drop, they replace them with the children of the other people of the group. Mm -hmm. Like their their drummer is Rick Nielsen's son. Dax Nielsen. Dax Nielsen. And it sounds like they have another like family band that has Dax Nielsen and Miles Nielsen.
1: The Nielsen
0: Family Trust, I believe they're called. Yes. Yeah. Family Trust. That's right. Yeah they say like his kids are very prolific songwriters as well. Like miles Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a multi-instrumentalist and has like 10 records out or something.
1: Yeah. I actually saw when the, the last time I saw cheap trick, uh, miles Nielsen and the rusted hearts opened. They were, they oh, were wow. really, yeah, they were really good.
0: Yeah, you would imagine. I mean, they had a good pedigree.
1: Yeah. Dax is a solid drummer because I guess bunny taught him how to play. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Hey, did you know, that they sang backup on Motley Crue's "Dr. Feelgood." The song "Dr. Feelgood," the backup singers are the guys from Cheap Trick.
1: I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Uh, which I'm shocked. I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's totally crazy! Because we've all heard that song a billion times, mm-hmm. and you think about it, and it's like there does seem a voice there that's like way better than anybody. <laughs> definitely, Motley Crue could sing. Definitely than better than, than, than Vince Dem- Neil. Yeah. And we've sang it too, right? We're like we're yeah. in the car, we're like, Dr. Feel good. I'm like, yeah, Vince probably sang it.
1: No, no. Robin Xander sang it. Even, even at his best, Vince couldn't really hit that high. I don't want to dunk on Vince, but yeah, he, no,
0: he's poor guy. He's getting dunked on all the time. Yeah. As it is. Mm-hmm. I just love the
1: fact that when you see cheap trick live and if Robin's playing a guitar and sometimes he's playing a 12 string electric Telecaster. And Nielsen's got the five neck and Peterson's got the 12 string bass. How many strings between three (laughs) people? It's ridiculous.
0: All the strings.
1: It's so many strings. (laughs) Bananas.
0: Mm -hmm. It must be a dream to be his guitar tech. (laughs) Just be able to like, you know, (laughs) have to tune all those guitars. That's the thing. Rick Nielsen says he hasn't tuned a guitar in 30 years. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> i i've seen
1: him yell at his guitar tech from this like he's still on stage but yelling at the side at whoever the tech is to, i've seen him throw picks at his guitar tech
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's not a glamorous job no <laughs> it's really it's really like the low guy on the totem
1: pole who <laughs> has to do the hardest work
0: <laughs> yeah Totally. Yeah. Cause I, he, you know, he's, he's on one of those rig rundowns. Yes. I started watching it right before our, our interview and it, he, he doesn't have any nice things to say about him, even though he admits how much work he's got to do. He's yeah. like, yeah, you know, because if this guitar breaks, then what am I going to do? Uh,
1: but it's, it's, it is complicated. If, if I break a string and he's not there, I'm screwed. You know, And the audience is screwed and the vibrato guitar people are screwed. So we don't want that to happen now, do we?
0: Then I don't have a guitar. You know, it'll be my guitar tech's fault. Then the audience is going to be let down. Everyone's going to be let down. Just like <laughs> unloading all this baggage on this like hypothetical situation that hasn't even happened. Yeah. It happened the night before. but <laughs> Just like, my God.
1: Oh, I've got a great Rick Nielsen story from that drum tech. So like these guys are hard on their roadies. Um, I think I think in the end they love them, but like they were hard on them on tour. And. Something happened with Bunny's drums once, and th- this guy's name was Motor. We named our band after him. His nickname was Motor. Oh, he's credited, awesome. he's credited in the Ario Speedway and High Infidelity liner notes as part of their crew. Uh, okay, so Motor is something happens with Bunny's drums, and like the show f- stops, and Bunny's chewing Motor out for like not having something right or whatever, and behind. Like, Bunny's facing to the back of the stage yelling at Motor. Motor's facing towards the crowd. Behind Bunny is Rick Nielsen making goofy faces at Motor, trying to make him laugh. Because if he laughs, laughs, Bunny's going to fire his ass right there.
2: (laughs) Just
0: vicious. Oh, my God. That is so great. I know. (laughs) Did you hear that Bunny broke his arm for a while? Like when when the band was signed, actually, he he had a broken arm. Holy cow. It was one of these things, like after a show, he like it wasn't even like he was a drunk sort of thing. He like after a show, he was walking and he tripped over like a piece of gear and fell over and caught himself, broke his arm. And this was like right when the band got signed. So they hired on another drummer, and the band didn't think that drummer was very good. So they asked Bunny to continue to play with one arm while they had the other drummer. So for a short period of time, cheap trick was, uh, a, they have one and a, a half drummers. They were, yeah, they were an 11 armed band, <laughs> which brings me to this joke. Yes. What, what has, what has nine arms and sucks?
1: Cheap trick with the stand-in drummer. No, deaf leopard, deaf leopard. Oh, I thought you were going for a swerve. (laughs) No, I went straight for it. Oh, my my pizza's beeping. Oh, it is? Yeah.
0: Hey, go get your pizza. Let's take care of our pizzas and we'll come back. All right. You want to see this, Daddy? Yeah, that's some pizza
1: right there. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Nicely done.
0: <laughs> Kyle and I have each made ourselves a frozen pizza and cut it into squares. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, they do a lot of this type of pizza in... In Janesville, Wisconsin as well. There's a play, a place that I love called Tony and Maria's Pizza. Ah. And they do, I I'm like now that I'm thinking about it, perhaps this is the pizza. It's the family is Sicilian, but they do like a you know, not a thick crust, it's a thinner crust.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it's thick enough to handle all the toppings. There's always just an insane amount of toppings and cheese, and it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So but uh, for me, in New York City, I tell you what, in New York City, it's difficult to find a good frozen pizza. Really? We don't do frozen pizzas.
1: I suppose there's pizza everywhere.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There, Yeah, there is a a good pizza place within walking distance of whatever bar or club that you were at that night. So mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about picking up a frozen pizza. You got pizza readily available by a number of places. Mm-hmm. So yeah, whereas folks, I don't know if you've ever been in the Midwest. You know, there is <laughs> an entire, probably grocery store aisle of frozen pizzas.
1: Yeah, like there's an entire chunk of a frozen section dedicated to frozen pizzas.
0: Yeah, you got your Jacks, you got your Tombstone. Mm-hmm. What what uh, what flavor did you choose, or which brand?
1: I, I got a Tombstone. Tombstone, classic. I'm a fan. I I I experimented around. There are some great ones. There's some not so great ones, but Tombstone is the taste of my youth. Mm. It is a reliable choice. Mhm.
0: For sure. I believe that's that, that's what I would have went for as well. Yeah. Um in my lack of anything better, and and this is not this is no slight. I'm very happy with my choice. I got a DiGiorno. Ah. Um, but a DiGiorno is a, it's a thicker crust than it should be. Yes. It's chunky. It's a little chunky. It's a little chunky, but there's a lot of ways to make a a frozen pizza. To make a DiGiorno, you're typically supposed to put it right on the rack. You don't, you're not supposed to put it on a, on a pan. Mm -hmm. Do you use a a pan? I do not.
1: I go right on the rack.
0: You do. You prefer the crunchier crust?
1: I do. I'm a fan. It's
0: good. Yeah. it's good. What uh, flavor did you go with?
1: I went with sausage and pepperoni,
0: classic. Yeah, I, I'm a typically I, I would be a deluxe guy.
1: Yeah, I don't do onions, so oh, it it, really? limit, it limits my choice a lot. Okay, and then gotcha. I, if if I want some veggies on there, I got to get a meaty pizza and then do it do whatever veggies I want.
0: And what veggies did you go with, Kyle?
1: I went simple today. I just did uh crushed red pepper flakes, and red bell pepper chopped up.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. Wait till you hear what I put on my pizza, Kyle. I can't wait. I'm ready.
1: Sauerkraut. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) How does that work? Amazingly.
0: Really? I learned this trick. You know, I am, uh, you know, one of many children in my family growing up. So a frozen pizza wouldn't get very far. Yeah. Yeah. But if you throw sauerkraut on it, that pizza is my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I will be coupling it with uh, some classic Frank's red hot sauce.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was um, the original DiGiorno flavor? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. Okay.
0: Pepperoni. Yeah. They, they, yeah. There, I saw like a, there was a Newman's that, that was multi-meated. And then there was a Newman's that was spinach white pizza. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it.
1: My only, uh, side temptation from the traditional tombstone was an Emmels. I, be, I believe they make Ooh. the por- the porker, which would also, nah. which probably, it brings me back to him, probably brings you back to Crystal Corner Bar. Yes. Yeah.
0: I don't know if this type of pizza exists outside of a very small area. I don't think it's a national.
1: No, I don't think so either.
0: Yeah. But they have these at the Crystal Corner Bar Mm -hmm. in Madison, Wisconsin, where I've played probably 5,000 gigs. Just like Cheap Trick. Yeah. They've played 5,000 gigs, they say. Yeah. I probably played
1: 2,000 gigs there. (laughs) You did a weekly longer than I did,
0: but yeah. It's true. (laughs) I did have a weekly there. (laughs) But it has cooled down. It is now the perfect temperature. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have grabbed my first triangle from the party cut. Uh, Not my favorite slice, but I like to get these out of the way.
1: I'm kind of a fan. I think it's the crunchy
0: thing. Regardless, cheers. Cheers, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Kyle, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, but I love a frozen pizza. Yeah. I do too. There's nothing I mean and th- and this is where some of these similarities come in with cheap trick. Is a frozen pizza is it really a pizza? Mm. I mean it's gone through it's gone through some transformation phases and it's become its own thing, a frozen yes. pizza, you know. You can't get away with serving a frozen pizza somewhere mm. without no. calling it a frozen pizza. Yes, exactly. That's the best point. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go to a bowling alley, it's like, what do you guys have? Well, we have frozen pizzas. Yep. Yeah. You know, so you, you know what you're gonna get and um and you're fine with it because frozen pizzas are great.
1: Yep. It, but if the if it's a bowling alley or a bar and they have fresh pizzas, it's like handmade. It's a designated thing. Cause you might yeah. expect a frozen. Yeah.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would not expect to go to a bar and get a handmade pizza. If they did that, they wouldn't call it a bar; they'd call it a pizzeria. But
1: yep, they <laughs>
0: exist. At least in Wisconsin, they do. They do. Oh yeah, a bowling alley that makes their own fresh pizzas. Oh,
1: I don't know about. I'm sure there are bowling alleys, but like bars, usually country bars. Really? Hmm. Oh,
0: I, I I was not aware.
1: There's there's one uh, near where I grew up uh, called the the rev the revs revs windbreaker. Tap. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. Oh. They make excellent, excellent homemade pizza. And nice. you can order carryout from the bar. Uh that one, that one's good. Um in oh, nice. the Madison area. Um, outside of town, south of town by kind of a... kind of outside of Mount Horeb in Mount Vernon, this little village. It's a place called Marcin's. Mm-hmm. They make they make an incredible pizza. I think they only Make it one night a week and they are slammed. Like, I think it's Thursdays, like people go, do eating in, carrying out all of it. That's fun. Yeah.
0: Now, because I live in New York, Kyle, I haven't had a frozen pizza in quite a long time. Mm. So, this is really a treat.
2: Even get with back
0: the, into my,
1: even with the sauerkraut.
0: <laughs> oh, man, with the sauerkraut, it's the best. I mean, do you like sauerkraut? Not
1: especially. I've, I've not. Oh, I don't think okay. I've tried it in, a, in like decades, though, either.
0: So you'll just eat a bratwurst without putting sauerkraut on it? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. I mean, give me some horseradish mustard. Sure. All right. I, All right. I mean, I'll even double down on just horseradish, too, with it.
0: Really? I haven't done that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I should try sauerkraut again sometime because I've since become a fan of, big fan of red cabbage. But that's a different cabbage. It's a whole different beast.
0: But yeah, I, do you, I mean, do you like a dill pickle? I love it. Yeah, man, you should, you should go back. Give it another shot.
1: I think I got a mental block with sauerkraut.
0: Sauerkraut is, it's not only delicious, but it's good for you.
1: Hmm.
0: It has all that, uh that bacteria. Yeah. And it's the good kind of bacteria, not the bacteria that's in that kombucha crap.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you've heard that they've since like, like, scaled back their their health claims of kombucha like it was a big thing they're like oh this is so good for you it's got all this bacteria and then after a while they're like well maybe you shouldn't drink that much kombucha <laughs> and now they're like and then they're like yeah you know maybe you shouldn't drink that
1: <laughs> wow i would i i have not heard that i'm not aware yeah but i i, I just heard, I, I know i've recently seen hard kombucha at
0: stores like what
1: are you people doing
0: yes my friend was telling me he went to this Went to go see bands the other day, and the only alcohol that they had to distribute was hard kombucha. Oh my god! And it's one of those like they'd already paid money to be. It was like a smaller house show.
2: Yeah,
0: he'd already paid money in there, and all they got is hard kombucha. <laughs> and he said it really did a number on his tummy.
1: <laughs> I believe it. Byok, bring your own kombucha.
0: I mean, you know, like that. Th- yeah, it's a it's a thing that's like compared with like say sauerkraut or kimchi yeah like that's not a meal you can't eat just that all night no that's yeah it's trouble you have to add it to something totes Mm -hmm. is this your fourth meal of the day
1: fourth meal oh no this is is number three
0: Mm. this is dinner i didn't have breakfast so this this is my third meal otherwise
2: this would
1: be my fourth meal (laughs) (laughs) nice
0: i've been eating super bowl leftovers all day
1: oh brats
0: and sauerkraut (laughs) oh man (laughs) I actually didn't have the brats because I had ribs. A oh. friend came over. <laughs> a friend came over and made ribs, and they were amazing. Nice. Guacamole and, of course, taco dip.
1: Mm, taco
0: dip. Taco dip's my jam.
1: I had a bunch of ribs this weekend, too. I was with some friends in Spring Green. We do an annual meat weekend, which we haven't been able to do the last couple of years. We did. Mm-hmm. I ate, I ate I'm sure wings. Your heart thanks you. I ate wings. I didn't overdo it. But I ate wings and ribs all day Saturday, and it was amazing. I had wings that were brined in pickled jalapeno juice. Oh man, they were so good, and the ribs were fantastic. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It was really good.
0: So Kyle, what, you, what have you been doing recording wise? You've been you've been recording anything?
1: Um, got any
0: new music coming out?
1: Um, nothing coming out yet. Slowly doing some new Rocket Bureau stuff here and there. Um. Yeah, just writing some stuff, recording some stuff. You put out,
0: well, you put out a Rocket Bureau record maybe a year ago,
1: almost a year ago. Yeah, in uh, March of 2021.
0: What's it called?
1: It's called Middle Angst. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean Ro- Rocket Bureau is a like a real band when we could do live stuff still in town, no. which hasn't really. That's still kind of closed in Madison, outside of like bigger venues that are too big for our britches. Um, yeah. but, uh, that's with my, my buddies, Paul Kennedy, who's from Rockford and uh-huh. Dan Borneman and Josh LaBoose. And yeah, we're big cheap trick fans, of course. And often we'll at practice, we'll just place side one, of Budokan for fun. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, re- but recording, I do all the recording myself cause I'm a control freak and like to get my fingers on all of it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I hear that. Yep. I've been working on my solo record now for about 10 years.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the, this, the, that Rocket Bear record was like five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. re-recorded several times from scratch.
0: And, man, it sounds good. Oh, thank you. I appreciate I it. Listened to, I listened to a couple of tracks when you first put it out because you have it up on Bandcamp. Yep. And it sounds amazing. You have it on vinyl now, too, right? I do, yeah. I have to get a copy of the vinyl.
1: Yeah, man. Shoot okay. me your address. I'll send you one. Oh, I want to buy it. Okay, either way. It's on the Bandcamp awesome I've yeah. in on, on the so on, let me, oh on the pizza bye. note I'd quickly like to note that this tombstone has completely fallen victim to the uh the topping shuffle oh. <laughs> of of it's not it's not the worst the the pepperoni was out of order when i opened it so i could straighten that out <laughs> but okay. the uh, this there's one one of these little party cut pieces that i think has 50% of the sausage of the pizza <laughs> <laughs> all in one spot but that's that's yeah, the man. gamble you got to take with the frozen pizza.
0: It's true. So, well, you know, let me ask you: mm-hmm. When you sit down with a frozen pizza, just you and your lonesome, how much of it gets eaten? One
1: half. Yeah. If it's a tombstone, one half. If it's um, if it's something like a DiGiorno or a thicker crust, like w- probably less
0: than that. All right, I'm just trying to figure out when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, man. Hey, man. <laughs> so when you do the party cut for a 12-inch pizza, you're going to get yourself 12 slices of pizza. Obviously, each of different angles and, and whatnot. You're going to have your four slices in the middle that are going to be, to me, the best spots because they're crustless. Oh. I don't care about crust. Hmm. You care about crust? I do. I bet I, you do.
1: I like that. I mean, I like all of them, but I like the outer pieces.
0: Man, we should we should enjoy a frozen pizza together. We'd, <laughs> we'd very, be perfect companions.
1: <laughs> very complimentary yes <laughs>
0: yeah and then your outsides you've got you get like four corner pieces that are primarily just crust and then eight pieces that you know you've got one side of crust and then a nice couple of bites in the middle so it's nice it's, it's good for a party everybody yeah. gets to have a little bit of pizza yeah and you you kind of double it up because otherwise if you cut this thing you'll have eight slices
1: yeah yeah that's that's my normal go-to for just a i need a quick I need a quick pizza meal. Throw it in the oven, cut it like normal triangles.
0: Yeah. Like normal people do. Yeah. Not like crazy people from Rockford. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah. But this is, this is very delightful. It's hitting the spot. Yeah. It really is. In most recent cheap trick news, Tom Peterson has, uh, he's fallen ill. Yes. Just had a heart surgery. I want to go ahead and say maybe that was in February. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they had from a podcast I listened to today that was being filmed in February. They were saying that they hoped that he would return by March.
1: Yeah. I think he was ill with, he might've just had surgery recently. I think he was ill a bit before that too, because they were doing shows and Dan Borderman pointed this out to me. Um, like, yeah, you see that guy playing bass on that cheap trick picture of that recent concert? Like, yeah, he's like, that's not Tom Peterson. I'm like, you're kidding me. It looks just like him. Like, oh, yeah, because he's all decked out in Tom Peterson garb, and he's playing playing a big old 12-string bass. But it was uh, one of Robin Xander's sons, I believe. See? Which, this same guy, I think, was the last time I saw them in 2019. He was off to the side of the stage with an electric guitar and a microphone. And that was when I was, like, kind of wowed throughout the show like oh wow robin is in great voice for this and then i noticed this guy and i thought oh and i think i think i was at that show with uh aaron uh aaron hartman aka aaron motor and i think he was telling me like oh yeah that's that's a xander's son and i'm like oh man is he doing like all the hard parts for xander so then i started watching him and he Mm -hmm. wasn't (laughs) like whatever xander was hitting the big stuff he was by himself he, oh, wow. Yeah, his son was like reinforcements for the choruses. I think he was doing a lot of the backing stuff that Nielsen would normally do.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Nielsen's voice is getting weird. Yeah, in later days. Yeah, Cheap Trick seems to be sort of heading in a direction where, you know, when when one member leaves, uh, another son, as I had said, of the band joins. Mm-hmm. So they they could reach a point where like the entire band recycles over. Like as they get older and you know retire. Yeah. They could just continue to be Cheap Trick, but just yeah. <laughs> the family members <laughs> of the original members of the Cheap Trick. Yeah, Cheap Trick Jr. Yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't have to do that because if they do it so it's like Foreigner. There's like nobody in Foreigner in Foreigner anymore. But they just keep playing the, the Foreigner songs.
1: I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want to hate on it, but at the same time, it's not the same, you know. But
0: well, I'm not going to hmm. go into it in detail. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to listen to the foreigner podcast because we talk all about it.
1: Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the one that comes before meatloaf. Gotcha. That's a good point then. <laughs> no. but that's one difference between you know foreigner and cheap trick is like cheap trick, even if all of the members, the original members of the band, were still playing in the group, they're all still monster players. Yeah, Bunny is still a killer drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick is still you know, a good songwriter and a great uh, a great guy to watch on stage. Robin Sanders singing better than ever. Yep. Tom Peterson bending notes on his 12-string <laughs> bass. Yeah,
1: he's absolutely killer.
0: They're otherworldly. Yeah, and um, I, I think
1: Nielsen's actually a better guitar player than he gives himself credit for when he tries and when he when he cares. Most of the time true. on stage, he's having fun and goofing off.
2: Yeah.
0: It their their performance on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is pretty funny. Yeah. It's like whenever the camera like like pans away from Nick Rick Nielsen and then comes back, all of a sudden he shows up and he's just throwing like a handful of <laughs> guitar <laughs> picks at the camera and the audience. Yeah. And like whatever Beyonce's up front, like, why does he keep throwing crap at me? <laughs> oh, perfect. What, what are these things? Guitar picks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, um that's all I know about Cheap Trick. You know anything else? Um
1: I think the only addendum I'll put in is uh listen to their 2006 album Rockford. I think it's really good and really underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that record. All right. And I'll I'll put together that uh that playlist of uh 80s Cheap Trick good songs
0: fantastic yeah and i'll post that up somewhere we can check it out on spotify i don't know am i allowed to just keep pushing to spotify yeah sure
1: yeah you can do whatever yeah. you want with it it doesn't exactly. make any difference at the top end
0: <laughs> nope yeah. it doesn't if you just learn just take a note out of cheap tricks biography and just get out there and have a killer live show
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and, play, have, and have bl- fun
1: being ridiculous yeah.
0: And and don't be afraid. Yeah. Yes. To be ridiculous and to be your own person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked for them, maybe. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, you know, in a way. We're talking about them. We are. It's true. <laughs> and enjoying a fine pizza in the process.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, a good a good enough pizza. <laughs> yeah. How's that sauerkraut? Oh man, it's hitting the spot. <laughs> Inevitably what I do is I not I don't put sauerkraut on certain pieces of those of the pizza because I'm like, you know, somebody probably doesn't want it. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, somebody doesn't want it. And then I'm like, damn it, why don't I just put sauerkraut in the whole thing? It's all mine. <laughs> I got now I got a couple of pieces just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Mm-hmm. Well, Kyle, it was it was great to see you. It was great to chat with you. Thank you for sharing so much cheap trick knowledge with me.
1: Thank you. This was aces. I had an
0: excellent time. (laughs) Let's do it again soon, all right? Absolutely, man. Killer. All right. Be well. You too. Good night now, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Bank of Beer Food. Thanks to Kyle Urban for chatting with me. Did you make it this long? It was a long one long episode like a cheap trick show they pull out all the stops and when it's over it's time to go if you like the show please head over to apple podcasts rate the show write a couple of positive words help us get the word out grow the show and then you can be there to let everybody know that you are one of the first it can be your thing if you're in asheville north carolina make sure you get yourself a cup of izzy's coffee if you're traveling over winter break have a great vacation I'm going to Guadalupe. No, Guadalupe is not in Mexico. It's an island. And it's cheap right now. You just got to watch out for the riots. But I'll be fine. I'm bringing my posse of my wife and kid and our friends. So tune in next episode. Pretty sure I'm talking to Leo Sidron, another fellow expat Madison, Wisconsin, gentleman, musician, jazzer, podcaster, all-around great guy. We're going to talk about Helios in the news. What do you think about that? Going to be a humdinger. Thanks for tuning in. Cook on and rock out. Ciao, ciao.